So my idea with this is one, I feel like there's a lot of talk of burnout with behavior analysts and I don't feel like it's talked about as much. It's starting to come up like, yes, we have high levels of burnout. Yes, we should do self-care, but the practicality of what does that mean for us as practitioners? I feel like the more that we talk about it, the more I listen to other people talk about it, then it becomes just more natural for us to talk about it as part of supervision and a part of professional mm -hmm. development. So my idea is interviewing behavior analysts and kind of going through from a behavior analytic lens, what is self-care and putting it out into the world to see how that might support other people. Kind of the gist of everything. Let's do it. We have David Barnett here. And so the first thing I kind of want you to start with is how do might describe yourself? So if you have preferred pronouns, like what's your current role, responsibility, like just kind of those basic demographics so everyone can kind of connect with you on those levels. Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, I am a male. I guess my pronouns would be he, him. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I'm white and Jewish. Let's see, I'm a clinical director at a BCBA for an ABA company. And I'm assuming what mostly BCBAs are listening to this, so I don't have to describe that that much. But basically I wear a lot of hats and work with a lot of different type of populations, but currently mostly like children on the autism spectrum. But like with this role, I'm noticing it's mostly parents with children on the autism spectrum is my most of my job at this point. Okay, so doing more parent training and supporting Pretty much. Parents. Okay, great. What would you say your biggest work stressor maybe has been historically or it currently is? So it used to be parent training. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I found that instead of avoiding it, I just decided to kind of lean into it. And now it's pretty much my whole job and my favorite part of the job. Hmm. Because yeah, right? It's yeah. like weird how that works out. But um, my biggest stressor, just honestly, it's not even the like the job job, it's all the side parts of the job, administrative issues, reports on time, report edits, things like that, that don't have that much to do with my actual, like what my job description is, Right. but you know, come with the territory. Yeah, my last interview, um, Gina actually brought up the same, uh, same stressor as report writing and <laughs> reports on time. So you're definitely not alone. Oh yeah, I don't know. I know. I think it's a very typical response of like, yeah, they don't teach you this part in the master's program. Exactly. Yeah, there's no there's no course designed for how to write a report on time. Right. Or like <laughs> how to manage people or how to do anything that has to do with it. like you just learn how to like do ABA and that's mm -hmm. it. And you barely do it at this point anymore. You're just yeah. teaching other people how to do it. That's true. So we're going to dive into this conversation, the framework of self-care. And so one of the first kind of questions I have is, what would you say your learning history is with self-care? So whether it's something that you've seen from like family members or like even growing up kind of recognizing or not recognizing, exposed or not exposed to kind of self-care as a concept. I would say the best way to describe it has been like awkward and bumpy and <laughs> really really contingency based like running into walls 
having to figure out something else and then not plowing through the wall, but like kind of pivoting, even though I want to just kind of muscle through the wall because that's kind of my learning profile. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> yeah, so when you think of, okay, um, self-care, like was it important to my family growing up? Did I have exposure to what self-care means? Um, or was that something that someone threw in your face at one point and was like, you should do self-care. Gotcha. Here's why. I would say, I don't think it's some, I feel, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's more of a newer situation that's coming up that people are really caring about. And our generation is like, kind of like, yes, we need to do this. This is actually important. I don't think the generation before us was, did it or knew about it or cared about it that much. Mm -hmm. Not to say they are like against it or anything. I just don't think it was at the forefront. Don't think I grew up with it, thinking about it at all. Now I'm just seeing how important it is. And I think I had to learn just through like trial and error. Like luckily I had really good supervisors and I'm kind of putting in the context of work where like, yeah. I've probably almost hit the point of burnout like three times in my very short career as a, mm -hmm. you know, in ABA, not even as a behavior analyst. Yeah. But I had good people around me that saw the signs when I couldn't recognize them myself. And that would like kind of like nudge me in the right direction of like, maybe you should be taken off this case or maybe you should just go home and like do something you want to do instead of, you know, burn yourself out. So I think, and not to say like, like my parents were great role models in this, but we didn't like talk about it uh, overtly right. or anything. Right. Um, but they seemed to have it pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I just assumed it was like a normal, like you just figured it out. And now I'm really noticing that you actually have to be very intentional about it. Mm -hmm. Don't be an awkward learning curve of self-care, but I, like I luckily had great support. Yeah. Yourself, what do you recognize as some of the signs of burnout? Because I think that's something like we all use the phrase, quote unquote, like burnout. Um, and even in the literature, there's not really a consensus of what burnout is. There's some key markers and things like that. But personally, what have you noticed for yourself that might be indicators of burnout it's more of like what i'm not doing like okay. when i'm doing good i get i'm like really excited like you know me like i don't know if the audience knows me, but i'm a pretty excitable person and i start to notice that like i just don't care mm. and it's not like i'm not doing my job i'm just like not gung-ho about it like i don't yeah. i'm not bringing that same attitude that i think has become my like standard and my baseline mm -hmm. which i also know is really hard to keep up <laughs> yeah my second part is like why am I doing this that's like the question that pops in my head a lot like why am I why do I keep like hitting like banging my head against this wall basically I start to like think about other things I could be doing and like I know like the first couple of times I was like why don't I just go do something else like I'm skilled in other things so like that's usually my first sign of burnout where I'm like just kind of looking around like not even other companies or like more so like other fields like oh right. i could go do something else i don't have to do aba anymore so that's usually my first sign like maybe i should like kind of backtrack a little bit like where's my head at like this is what i do i did just commit a lot of time to learning all about this stuff right. <laughs> um so that's usually my first sign i don't know i don't know I, i'd have to like dig deeper to figure out like the actual other signs but that's my first cue to be that's like awesome. all right something's not that good right now. Well, and it's, so the ones that you bring up in terms of like not feeling like you're not fully your personality. Right. Or So I always say it wrong, but the Maslow burnout inventory 
the like the three key markers for that is what well I'll, I'll, what I can remember depersonalization, <laughs> emotional exhaustion, um, and oh I forget the third one to be honest. But <laughs> like in that that we got two to three anyway, so exactly sixty-seven percent. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so, so you, like that resonates with like the depersonalization is like you're not having as much personality with it. So it aligns there. But then also that kind of that question of what am I doing <laughs> also is the um, that emotional exhaustion of like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this kind of maybe so so it, it aligns in some of those. So it's interesting, too, to see how it manifests individually for everybody. Right. Yeah. You were to define self-care for yourself what what would your operational definition be what would it if you were to write hand write it down on paper what would your definition of self-care be for yourself i probably should have written it down but, <laughs> uh let's see i think because a lot of people like i've been trying to figure this out for a little while now of like what would I even want to do? Even if I had all the time in the world, which I kind of do right now, mm -hmm. um, what would I want to do? And that's that's been almost a stressor. But mm -hmm. what I'm kind of kind of figuring out is like it's not really about what I'm doing; it's like the intention behind it. Yeah. So like I'm doing this for myself, not because of like this will be good for this or that. It's just like I'm doing this right now because I know I my body needs it, or I know it'll feel good, or maybe my mind needs it, or maybe I need to take a nap. But it's more about the intention of the activity. Right. That's what I think of as self-care. Yeah. So it like, yeah, because I don't know. It's always different for me. Yeah, which it's, it's good to have all those different kind of topographies of yeah. what self-care looks like. Um, and I think from maybe from the like female, like as a woman standpoint, there's that kind of quote unquote, like self-care of manis, petties, massages. Yeah, but those things are awesome. Like, that's not I'm even a female male. Do you feel like there's something like that that's equivalent to the male side? Like, male self-care, maybe the generalized concept is working out, or do you feel like it's still kind of some pampering somehow? Well, like, I think it was always described to me as pampering. Luckily, like, I grew up and, like, me and my dad went to go get pedicures every once. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I have pictures of, like, me and my mom and my dad, like, sitting there with our feet and gloves, like, <laughs> So I didn't really, <laughs> didn't really even think about the kind of male female side of it. Yeah. It just feels really good. Like, I, I don't know. I yeah. think everybody should do it. But like, even right now, that's not the thing I'm like craving. That was like a funny activity to me. Yeah. And like, it does feel good, but I, it's not the thing for me. So like, if someone's like, oh, self-care, go get a petty. It'd be like, like I will, but like, for me, it's more of like, I'll go with you because it'll be fun to go together. Right. It's like, it would be more of the social experience mm, okay. and the activity, which I know I like a lot. So like, yeah, I think that's why it was really hard for me to like figure this out because a lot of what I like is just, I want to do things with other people because it's fun and like well, the specifics aren't that important. Yeah. You know? So would you say self, like social, social relationships, maintaining those is a part of your picture of self-care? I think so, <laughs> but also like, you know, doing it for my, doing things for myself has mm -hmm. been like, especially in quarantine, like mm -hmm. COVID and stuff, like that has been the like top of mind of like, okay, I don't really have as many people right now. And like, yeah. it's all through a screen. So like, what do I, like, what does David want to do? That's been the like, 
you know, the burning question for, I don't know, how long have we been this? Five months. <laughs> right. or, um, yeah. 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 So that's like the new, you know, got to figure that one out still. Right. But right. it's coming along. <laughs> yeah. So when you're thinking of your own self-care routines, like, would you say you have a task analysis or step-by-step, step, like, okay, when I feel, and, and when I say task analysis, it's like, okay, I have that, that moment of here's this, this sense of burnout maybe coming on or something showing up and that sig signals me to engage in these steps and maybe they're systematic steps, maybe they're flexible steps, like what might that look like? Yeah, it's like kind of a mix of a task analysis and like a little bit of a token board because a lot of like my behaviors, I really am into negative reinforcement. Like I want to be done with things. So like, and like, it's almost a trap, like a behavioral trap, not to get way too technical in this conversation, oh, yeah, go with it. but like, I almost have to trap myself into doing these things that I know I do want to do. And like, eventually work as positive reinforcement for my behaviors kind of naturally. Like I have to kind of frame it as like, well, I need to get this out of the way so that I can feel good. Maybe I'm not advanced enough in the field to understand all of it, but like, I look at it as like, all right, cool. I got my TA, like, these are the things I need to do for this thing. But then it's almost like a checklist token board, like, oh, cool, I did them all. Now I don't have to do anything anymore. Yeah. It's all out of the way. So it's kind of this fun mix of the two. So then you would say like, once your checklist is done, like the checklist is work-related, person not necessarily self-related. Yeah. Just like all of these things, and then you can shift into self-care. Everything's mode. cherry. Oh no, it's more like like at least for me, I kind of put them all together because I'm still mm -hmm. working on like building up the routine where I want to go do the self-care things. Gotcha. So there's still kind of this like, I know I feel good after, and like it's getting there where I'm naturally doing it now, yeah. but I had to trick myself into being like, it's just a part of your everyday. You have to get it done, and then everything after is more of the cherry on top of like, yeah. oh, cool. I, I did my 30 minutes of exercise today. It's just like part of my everyday. I have to get that. So I know I feel good. Mm -hmm. um, and then like when I'm done, like, oh, cool. I read a book too. Yeah. Cherry on top. But I didn't have to read the book because I did my, my thing already. So gotcha. I kind of have to trick myself. And okay. like, I think being a behavior analyst really helps with that because I know how to set up the environment where like, oh, yeah, you can't get this. You got to unlock that code to um, get to so that, this portion. So that was one of my next questions is like, how do you, how do you prompt yourself to engage in some of that self-care? Like what are some of those environmental engineers, antecedent manipulations that you use for yourself that help, you know, maybe starting that first response of self-care? Um, it's really just, for me, it's a scheduling because like, at least in our, like by the, by, at my role like everything I do is pretty much like my own schedule like I'm sending out availability so like I learned when I do things best like I want to exercise a couple times a week like I think my set my goal for like three days a week and like I'm already starting to exceed that which is awesome but so I just set up like at the beginning of my week I'm like okay I know that like 10 30 is like my like good time slot of like I feel really good so I I just blocked off my schedule every day at 10 30 and like that was my environmental um, antecedent change to like, it's always blocked off. I don't make right. anything during that time. I can make things like if I get it all done the first three days of the week, I reach my goal. And like I said, it's kind of the cherry on top. It's like, oh, cool. Now I exercise five times this week. Cool. Right. Um, but I got like, it's always there. 
And like, I then choose to fill something else with that time or like keep working. But I know that that's always available. And I know that that time is allotted for this particular activity. Yeah. So within that, since you're kind of setting up that schedule where you're, you're really kind of getting yourself in the habit, are you starting to recognize setting events or things that are going on in the day? Like, oh, today's the day that I need more of this type of self-care. And if so, like, what might some of those triggers be for engaging in more self-care? I think that's the part I'm still kind of working on. Yeah. Because I think, I think I heard you talk about this actually, that like, there's different types of self-care because I've kind of always associated with physical mm. um, and like I'm a very responsive person so like if I have a cold I just kind of drink orange juice and I feel better um, <laughs> so I know that if my body feels off I can go for a run and like I get all the dopamine I guess right mm-hmm. and like I feel good after so like I kind of associated all self-care with that physical mm. and it's not even like hardcore workout like 10-15 minute run and like I'm right. like, oh, I feel great let's tackle the day but then there's those other portions of self-care, like mental or like reading a book, which I think like pre-COVID, I had a lot of really good escapes where like back to only physical, like I was going to like group workout classes where like I was too spent to even care about any of the like mental yeah. fatigue or like compassion fatigue I was probably dealing with. And I would just sleep and then I'd wake up the next day. I'm like, all right, let's do this thing. Like mm-hmm. it's fine. But now that like, that's not really an option. I'm noticing that I have to like really vary all these activities and self-care routines that I'm still really figuring out. And that's kind of what we mentioned earlier. Like I'm trying to figure out like what I even want or need. Yeah. So outside of that, so there's the physical, like moving your body, you know, getting the endorphins going. What have you started to explore kind of in other response classes, whether it is, I know we talked a little bit about like, you know, social the aspects being it, but there could be, you know, your environment, like how you're, how clean and orderly <laughs> or not orderly and for myself, um, spiritual, religious, like all of those different facets, professionally, personally, that, that you're kind of starting to dabble and almost like try on and see, like, see, like, does this sweater fit? No, this one doesn't fit. Let me try on a new one. Yeah. What have you found yourself exploring? reading has been like the first one because it always was a goal like Mm -hmm. everybody wants to read more like I don't think I'm that um, unique in that but I was never like a very like I'm I'm not gonna say like I'm a strong reader I just didn't want to read much right now like you know my wife and I have kind of like set up a routine of like just reading before bed because like Mm. I guess we read somewhere that's good for sleep I don't whatever I don't remember the reason but we've gotten into the routine and like now I'm like plowing through books it's awesome and the hard part is now like, what do I want to read? <laughs> Cause I had a bunch of books and now they're all read and I'm like, okay, I have to actually right. think about what's next or like find some series or something. So that's been mm-hmm. the first one. Cause like before, like I said, I was too tired or wasn't top of mind cause I already had my thing. So that's been the one I'm exploring, which I'm really happy about the cleanliness one. That's, you know, it's just important. Cause like I'm in my kitchen right now. <laughs> so like when I'm working, if the, if the sink's full of dishes, I'm like, oh man, I probably, if I don't want to work, I'm probably going to go clean the dishes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still figuring that stuff out and just trying different things. Yeah. Have you noticed with reading? So I think as professionals, there's all the articles we can read, <laughs> all the books that we can read. And for myself, 
I can't, that for me, reading academic literature is not a part of self-care where I read no. like my sci-fi <laughs> fantasy books and I'm like, this is cool. So, so you're finding it's not just the action of reading something, but it's reading something that's enjoyable on different levels. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, growing up, you had to read that I, you know, that's a demand being placed on me that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm doing it for fun. And I'm like reading books that like I probably had to read back in the day. Like I'm reading The Hobbit right now. So it's, like, it's awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I also, you know, with this behavior and like it kind of naturally reinforcing itself, I am picking up like articles and like I'm reading the like relational frame theory book, but like I know myself, I can only read like a little <laughs> bit at a time. Right. So I'm trying to kind of pre-mac it a little bit where I'm like, all right, cool. I know I want to do this thing or like I'm going to have a drink later or whatever. Like I'm going to read 10 pages of the relational frame theory book, <laughs> but that's more work. So that's not really the self-care portion. Right. But I'm trying to always pair it where I'm not like burning out where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's RFT book into, you know, I have, I have to like read all these articles and then go to work. I'm like, I'm doing that on a Saturday for 20 minutes. Right. I think a lot of, a, a lot of, for me at least, I was always tied to like, you had to do these things and like, it always had to be a long time and it always had to, it always had to kind of fit a certain structure. Yeah. And now I'm just finding like, okay, I have 20 minutes. Let's just go do that. I'll feel really good after. It doesn't yeah. have to take that long. Kind of back to what I was saying about negative reinforcement, like almost get it out of the way, but I still feel really good about doing it. Yeah. Well, and also what I'm hearing too with like blocking up your schedule for work, like setting aside 20 minutes, that time, like time boundaries is yeah. a part of your self-care. So within creating time boundaries, how do you know, how have you decided or like come across realistic time boundaries, not unrealistic time boundaries? Do you stick to them? Um, I think I used to have very unrealistic time boundaries. And now I'm noticing that like things don't have to take as long or like, I think I used to like associate like the workout had to be an hour. Mm. And like, if it was 30 minutes, I felt like I didn't have a good work, even if I did have a good workout or like, oh, I have to work on, like, I have this report. It has to take me an hour. Like, it doesn't. I could also do it in 15-minute chunks. So I think kind of separating myself from that rule a little bit mm-hmm. has helped me. And then I feel a little, and, like, I still get away from it all the time. But it's helped me make a lot of those time boundaries where, like, like just before this, I was finished the thing I had at 10, and this was at 10.15. I'm like, I'm gonna go play with um, my dog for 10 minutes. <laughs> And like, I just set like a 10 minute timer just to remind me that like, oh, I do have to go call Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. And it was like a nice break between work and like, not that this is work, this is fun too. But, you know, he was like pawing at my leg to do stuff. And I was like, you know what, let's go do that. That sounds, it doesn't take that long. It's okay. I think bringing up the- I don't know if I answered my question. No, no, yeah. yeah. Well, (laughs) I think too, because there's the identification of like, what rules do I have around this? And starting to re- like recognizing where those rules show up. So that way you can start to kind of change those rules. So very similar, you know, I'm a runner and right. very, for a very long time, if I go for a run and I have to like walk or stretch like a couple miles in, in my mind, I've not run the distance that I actually finished. So I might've run six miles, but I might've stretched at mile two. So in my mind, I'm like, I didn't actually run six miles because it wasn't consecutive. Like that's the rule I have in my head. 
<laughs> I'm nodding my head to the audience. <laughs> right. But it's, but I've, I've since learned to recognize like running for me is an outlet for physical movement. It's also anxiety reducing for myself and in, in other ways. And just cause I stretch for one minute of 45 minutes doesn't mean my whole run was a waste. But, but I think too, recognizing like what rule do I have around my self care? What rule do I have around the work that I'm doing? is this rule actually helpful or is it unhelpful in those situations too? Because I think that also that kind of self-reflection questioning into, helps find those other things of self-care. So I think that's a great point to bring up. Yeah, I think, I don't know when you taught me this, but at some <laughs> point we talked about rules a lot. And um, I remember that came up a lot because I was, I kind of like have put into my personality almost that I was a morning person. But then I started, like, people started associating, like, giving me morning things. I'm like, I actually didn't want to do morning things anymore. <laughs> and, like, it was almost like I had to break that rule in my head for, like, oh, I can work at night. It's okay. I'll see Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. This question I have is kind of, you know, as behavior analysts, we want goals that we work on for individuals to be socially valid. And depending on think how people talk about self-care there there could be questions about is self-care socially socially valid outside of the individual so what are your thoughts on self-care as like a target behavior that you would work with um, a client or an individual on uh it's absolutely socially valid to start that uh, question <laughs> uh definitely like for a million reasons i think but the biggest one is because it's like the stepping stone of helping you do the other things that you want to do. I don't really know how other people's brains work, but like, I know I want to do a lot of different things, mm -hmm. but if I'm too tired or like, I'm not, you know, budgeting my energy well enough, then I can't do that. And then I get to do nothing because I just like am burning out in this one portion, but like, I want to go travel or exercise or hang out with friends. But if I do you know, if I'm not taking care of myself, then mm -hmm. I can't do any of them. And then it sucks. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, to do all the things you want to do or need to do, like some people like need to take care of their families and need to work two jobs. But like, if you're not, you can't do those things well, or like you might lose your job because you're going late because you are sleeping, like whatever. It kind of like is the foundation almost to, to like all the other socially valid behaviors we need to work on. Yeah, it's almost like, and it just kind of came to me as you were speaking, like engaging in self-care could potentially be classified as like a behavioral cusp yeah. to open yourself up to all these other novel experiences with people in the community, vocationally, whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. So now in the context of self-care, I want, I want to bring in the conversation about culture, privilege, and get different perspectives on that. So you've identified yourself as a Jewish male, uh, white male, I will say. Um, so <laughs> what, from your perspective, like, and the self-care that you've experienced for yourself or even seeing impacts around, do you, like, what's your sense of culture and privilege that comes into your experience of it? That's a good question. <laughs> I think especially lately, like I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about this a lot, but like I'm realizing how privileged I am and kind of being like a little bit more thankful about it and grateful and like letting my parents know and like brothers and community. And I'm still trying to figure out how to like 
help other people with that but i think like my first thing was like just acknowledging like okay got it not everybody has all this good to know i knew that for a lot of things but i think now i'm learning it for like a lot of other things like just things i never noticed but i think the big one and i kind of practice a little bit because i listened to your podcast like yesterday (laughs) (laughs) so i cheated a little bit but i i did think about this a lot last night (laughs) um what I think like for to wrap it all in self-care is like I was privileged enough that like if things were bad I always knew they would get better I was never I kind of had that privilege of like my family strong family dynamic I I think I always knew that like even if things were really bad and like I I can't even really give you an example because I have a pretty privileged privileged life I guess Mm -hmm. but I always knew that like if I was sad or upset or things were hard like I knew they would get better. Like, I was just sure of it. So, like, I kind of had that to back myself up. And I think with just the, like, kind of common white people re-educating ourselves a little bit, um, I'm noticing that a lot, that, like, not everybody had that, like, feeling of, like, things will get better, where I got to be like, yeah, I know this will pass. Like, Mm -hmm. in two days, I'll start feeling better. Like, this situation is over. It's fine. Yeah. Like, I think that is a lot of my privilege. Like like an inherent sense of security yeah like I had a lot of that growing up okay which I'm now learning like very like I'm in a very small percentage of people that had that growing up Mm -hmm. yeah that's a it's a good perspective to think about too just knowing like you're you have the family support and with that comes a lot of other things whether it might be uh like I can speak like I know as being like a younger 20 something mid-20s you know my dad would financially support if needed like for car insurance and all these other things and and that not having to pay for that then opened up funds to you know enjoy my day so it is those type of things that not everybody has that family support which then has a trickle effect on other aspects yeah and like kind of what you're saying like financially and just like support too like I moved from Miami to San Francisco and yeah I think a lot of people, especially like you're, you know, South Florida just as well as I do, like that's not that common. And most families would probably fight a lot, but my family was super supportive. And my now wife, then girlfriend was also like, let's do it. And like, that's also very, very rare just to have a support system of people being like, yeah, do Mm -hmm. it instead of fighting the whole way and have like, so I was always like, I don't know, like, I feel like Aladdin on a carpet. Like, I was just, like, sent away, and it was like, yay, David. <laughs> yeah, it's rainbows and sunshine. It worked out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I got a cool opportunity. I met amazing people. I'm now on a podcast with one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, but, like, I don't know. That comes with my privilege. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question that well. No, but it does. That's, it's, that's the I, one I'm noticing the most. Yeah. And I, I think it's one of those questions that, as people and even practitioners, we have to kind of circle back to as we learn about different things, like you said, re-educate, because there are so many dynamics that play into it and recognizing one in a working context, like who we're supervising, who we're providing parent education to, who have different levels of privilege in in their experience. Um, So I think it's just something to, to reflect on from time to time too. Definitely. Oh, so I feel like there's no wrong answer. It's just right. talking about it to, to get the conversation going. So it becomes more normal to talk about in other contexts as well. 
And also like for me, the thing that I also am like adding on to that is like I'm letting those people know. Like I've been like calling my brothers more often and I'm like just telling my wife thank you for things and calling my parents and be like, so you guys are great by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like that also reinforces those behaviors of like further support. Like not to do that. It's not I'm not maliciously doing that for myself, right. but as a behavioralist, I think about all those things after the fact. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of cool too, of like being kind of grateful and just letting them know too, giving that attention right. to it. Yeah. Maybe it'll help someone else too. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So if you were to, for anyone that's listening, if you were to say, here's like the message about self-care and your experience of self-care, like what would, what would the message of self-care be uh, to those individuals it won't be exactly about self-care but my little like mantra about like work and not burning out with work is like it can wait like especially right now I'm telehealth and mm -hmm. like I'm I'm not be I'm not able to physically go help my client like I used to be able to like oh there's an issue I'm gonna come over yeah. like right now like it really has to wait and I have to be kind of okay with that and then like that kind of has helped me with like oh, I'm in the middle of this, like that email that just popped up, that seems like a fire. It, it can wait, it can wait the 10 minutes that I'm going to finish this other thing. And that's, that's really helped my mental health a lot of like, mm -hmm. it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my, that would be my advice to anyone kind of coming up in the field. Like everything's going to feel like a fire, but most like 90% of them can wait. Wait. And if they're only waiting 10 minutes, like to figure yeah. out, it depends too. That's a great point taking that a little step further, like what would you say would be one practical tool that you could say, hey, here's a, here's a practical tool to start engaging in self-care or to dive into it? Uh, I'm going to kind of keep, keep it on the work side too, because I'm still figuring out my own self-care, so yeah. I don't have that much in place. Sure. But work side is like set, and like for mostly BCBAs and people who want to be BCBAs listening, set work hours because I think that's the part that really leads to burnout where everyone like we're working on everyone else's non-work hours where we need to be working on our work hours too um, it's like set your own even if they're like wider or they fluctuate like an eight to six or something like or a ten to seven yeah help those families that do work nine to fives but like don't be available all the time because then you don't have your own life right. and that's really hard yeah I had someone ask me, because I was talking about the elusive work-life balance, <laughs> which actually yesterday I just heard a very good phrase, instead of work-life balance, to think of it as work-life harmony. And I really enjoyed that perspective of like, like these things I love and value can be infused into my work day. So I, I had somebody had asked me like, okay, how do you know when your week is kind of off that balance? And for me, I was like, well, if I'm not home by 6 or 6.30 p.m., you know, at least three nights a week, then I know I'm like overextending myself. So I think there's the flexibility of like, okay, my work hours are to this at least three days a week and the other days are, could be longer, could be shorter, but at least three days a week, I need to be home by 6 to 6.30. 
Right. And like kind of rev up and rev down because like if some yeah. are crazy, like that, that happens. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that, the harmony part. Yeah, I thought lot. it was a really interesting. I was like, oh, I'm going to start using that. How's your work life harmony? <laughs> um, but it was with yeah. a harp in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Play the music. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what is, if, if there's one question that I didn't ask about self care, what would be one question that you wish I would have asked today? Um, I guess like, I guess my question, and I don't think it's a question you could ask because I don't, I don't know the answer to it. Sure. But like, how do you reinforce these behaviors, especially if you're doing it by yourself? That's mm -hmm. always my, I have no idea to do that. That's why I'm like trapping myself into these behaviors. And a lot of it's like, well, I'm done with it. So I feel good now. Yeah. And so like, I guess the question would be like, how do you figure out how to reinforce those behaviors. Mm -hmm. Well, and Does that then, answer that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's something to, to think about too, whether it's intrinsically motivating. So if you feel good, that That's is true. intrinsically motivating. It's adding, you know, whether it's the endorphins or dopamine or whatever's being released in your body, that is the positive reinforcer that's being added to the situation. Or sometimes it's, I just worked out four out of five days of the week. I'm going to eat a piece of cheesecake on Saturday. And that's actually my go-to. Yeah. <laughs> so I deserve like, this. Yeah, I think there's like, there is a balance between that and figuring out if it's truly a reinforcer, is your behavior increasing too with it? So if you are feeling good and you're like, oh, I actually, my goal was three, but I've, I've done five days a week. Like this, this internal motivation is working versus if you recognize, oh, my goal is three, but I'm at two. I feel good those two days a week that I do work out, but it's not enough. So then adding more reinforcement to that situation, whether it's social support, you know, socially mediated reinforcement, someone's joining you or accountability or cheesecake or whatever <laughs> i think those those you just looking at in the true form of if it's functioning as a reinforcer is my behavior increasing and, and what's my preference assessment for myself yeah like do i want to just feel good like right. i think that's the part it's it's so hard to remember all this stuff like it's not for other, it's not hard for your clients right. it's hard for yourself yeah because you're right like I was thinking to positive reinforcement it's like I gotta buy myself something but like that's not true at all I am getting the feeling of someone saying hey you're looking good today or like whatever it's all it all can yeah. be reinforcement yeah and it all can be positive and I right. think when I think about it for myself I kind of forget that stuff because mm -hmm. hard to hard to analyze yourself totally but I, I think in noticing all of these different things then it, it just shapes that self-care into what really works for you individually too. If they're like noticing, okay, this, this works, this doesn't work. Oh, this was actually reinforcing. This wasn't reinforcing. You're able to kind of keep it going too. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> well, you answered my question then. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and going through these questions with me and talking about self-care in different aspects. So thank you very much, David. Totally. Thank you for having me. And then I will see you or talk to you soon. See ya. Thanks.